Thank you, Pastor Drew. Good morning, good news. He has a looking fabulous. Hey, I just complimented you. <laughs> I mean, you guys either all feel like you don't look fabulous or something. Because if somebody compliments you, well, thank you so much. But, you know, like we tell the kids, if somebody compliments you, you just say thank you. Even if you don't feel like a million bucks, right? <laughs> but some of you do look like a million bucks. Hey, um, I did this, the Lord highlighted this, I feel, last, last service. And I want to say this to you as well. Um, you know, as we have stripped down our, uh, our, our team here on, on the stage for Sunday morning for a few weeks, that was the purpose of doing that. And it's actually to worship and praise Jesus without the need for drums and electric guitars and the choir and all of this hoopla up here. And, um, and I just want to thank you for the way that you're engaging in praising Jesus. Amen. Come on, because we are doing something. So we are offering God our praise, which is something that he doesn't have. You have to actually open your mouth and praise him. You have to actually do that yourself. He doesn't have that unless you give it. And you guys have been doing that. I've been so encouraged and the team has been so encouraged within the last couple of weeks of the way that you have engaged. So for the person next to you, if you feel uncomfortable to do it for yourself, give them a clap, please. Come on. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So um, the message today, I'm going to be using a term, a term, and I will be using that term profusely in this message. So if you have little kids and the Lord just kind of, I feel like I'm normally not sensitive to these things, but uh, I feel, well, I need to warn parents for some reason. So if you have a little one that's in here and I'll be using a term that is related to a person who uh, receives money for uh, selling themselves, if you will, if you know what I mean. So if you feel uncomfortable with me using that, you're more than welcome to step out. Or if you just want to tell them, hey, what does that mean, mom? What does that mean, dad? Well, it's just somebody that sells himself for money. And that's simple. But just want to let you know that I will be using that term. Is that all right? Okay, good. Let's begin. So last week, Pastor Jason, continue our our series in the culture of we. And he uh, kicked off the portion of them when we're talking about them. And he talked about the story of the prodigal son and the good Samaritan. He had two points within his message. And it was number one, that powerful people restore others or restore them to life. Point number two is that powerful people give their life away for them. Right? Do we have any powerful people here? Come on. Say yes. Yes, you are powerful. I want you to know this. You are powerful because you have the power of God in you. God himself is powerful. Therefore, you have some power within you. So there's powerful people here. So we do powerful things. All right. So before we get into the message, I'm going to let you know what the title of my message is. So the title of this message is marry a prostitute. So now that I have your attention, may you please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to Hosea chapter one, and we're going to begin in chapter in verse two. So the word says this. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. 
so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for for speaking to us through your word. I thank you, God, for these, your people. I thank you that you have restored them. I thank you that you have delivered them. I thank you, God, that you have poured out your spirit and power in their lives, God. I pray right now that they may realize how powerful they are. I pray that we may all realize that you loved us so much, God, that now we have an assignment. God, I I pray that every ear may be open in the name of Jesus. I declare every ear to be open, every heart to be receptive. And I pray, God, that every mind may be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. I pray, God, that you will use this feeble vessel, God, to convey that which you are speaking. God, use me with things that are beyond my ability, beyond my ability to understand and beyond my wisdom, God, that your word may go forth, that you may accomplish that which you want to do through your people. I pray blessing upon this body in Jesus name you know God's people say amen, amen. alright you may be seated so <clears throat> this is uh, the, the, the setting here in the book of Hosea is around 750 years before Jesus so Hosea is a prophet of God and God has asked him to do something somewhat weird right and we know that God has done this before so It's nothing new that the prophets are doing weird things in their lives, right? So we see Isaiah. So the prophet Isaiah was actually dressed as a prisoner of war and walking around town as a prisoner, dressed as a prisoner. So that would be like you going to work or going to your school or in your, to your neighbor's house with an orange jumpsuit that says Douglas County Jail and with, and with handcuffs and stuff. That would be kind of weird, right? Um, maybe some of you don't think that's kind of weird. It's like, hey, um, that'd be all right. Um, but it, it is kind of unusual. And then we have uh, Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is walking around with the yoke on his back, like the thing that you put on oxen, you know, to you bind them together and kind of they plow in the land. So he's walking around with that thing on his on his neck. And then Ezekiel, Ezekiel's really, really weird because Ezekiel started acting like a little kid. So he's a young, a grown man, and he says that he was playing war, like a little kid. So imagine that. You guys seen, some of you that are older probably remember playing with those little soldiers, the green ones, right? And they were like different shapes, super weird. And the younger individuals, the younger people here are like, what are you talking about? Everything is digital. What are you? <laughs> no, but this is little soldiers. I used to use, play war with them, like pew, 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 yay. So... We got a prophet of God, Ezekiel, playing war, right? How weird is that? And now God is asking Hosea to do this really weird thing. I love what Warren Worsby says. He says that uh, God used to ask his prophets to actually um, do this as an action sermon. I love this because what this means is that God will ask them to actually Not only preach the sermon, but live it out. So this is what God is asking Hosea here. 
But let's talk about Hosea real quick. Because this is very, very interesting. So Hosea is a prophet of God. What that means is that what God said, he communicated through Hosea. So Hosea was God's mouthpiece. Hosea was God's spokesman, if you will. And what, and what God said through Hosea came to pass. Meaning, it happened. It wasn't like... Oh, well, maybe I missed it. Um, you know, maybe it was just my flesh like sometimes we do, right? Because we were not in that position. In the Old Testament, the prophets of God, God said something. They communicated, boom, it happened. So this is the guy that Hosea was. He was a holy man. He was a God, a man that was revered. It was honor. He was respected in his community. He had a great standing in the community. And everybody was watching what Hosea was doing. You know? And I, they didn't have social media then. But I'm pretty sure that there was a whole bunch of critics. <laughs> People just looking to criticize what Hosea was doing. Did you see what he did now? Oh, man, that dude is crazy. Like, what is he talking about? Right. And but everybody's really watching Hosea's life. Right. Since he's a servant of God. It reminds me of um, of a time. And this just came to me uh, as I was preparing for this. But about seven years ago, when we uh, when we came on staff here at Good News, it was different, and nobody really explained to me that this will happen. So Victoria and I were at Walmart, and we live way out west, like, you know, Gretna and far from here. This happened seven years ago, and our oldest right now is 15. So think about he's about eight, and then we had an eight-year-old, we have a five-year-old, and we have a two-year-old. And we are at Walmart in an aisle, so we've been shopping. And imagine some of you that have been there, and they want everything. And they're running around, and they're trying to do this and do that. And Victoria's just grabbing stuff from the shelf, and I'm just losing it. I am, like, up to here. And I'm like, you come here, you stop running, you stop hitting your sister. And I'm like, ah, you get there, I throw a kid in the car. And all of a sudden, from behind me, I hear somebody say, Hey, Pastor Raphael. <gasps> yeah, I did not laugh. I turned around. And I was like, oh, hi. How are you? What's your name? Uh, yeah, like I did not know that, you know, people are going to be recognizing me and, and addressing me in such a fashion on the street. I did not know that I had to be watching and minding my P's and Q's, as we say in America, that I always have to be careful of how I acted. But imagine this is Hosea that we're talking about. That's why I'm sharing that with you. Because everything he did, everything he said was put under the microscope. And God says, go marry a prostitute. Not only that, he says, go marry a prostitute so she can have children. This is a problem. This is a big problem. Why? Because children were a big deal in their culture. And you may think, well, you know, kids are a big deal here in our culture as well, but not this way. Not this way. I mean, you know, we have stories upon stories about women that were unable to bear children. And they used to pray to God, give me a child. Because the, the, their... A legacy may continue, right? And God is saying this to Hosea. The problem is that if he has children with a prostitute, the community is not going to recognize the kids as, oh, Hosea's kids. No, they're not children of a prophet at this point. They are children of a prostitute. Because this is a shame and honor culture, okay? 
In our context, we don't really understand that because my life is my life and I do whatever I want to with it. Right? Don't get in my business. We say that, right? In this culture, what you do is the family's business. Why? Because if you bring shame to your life, you're bringing shame to the family. And I believe that marrying a prostitute in this time was kind of shameful. And having kids by this prostitute now shows that Hosea's legacy could and should be tainted. So that's where we find ourselves here with Hosea. There was a very specific reason that God was asking Hosea to marry a prostitute. And we see that it says verse in verse two that this will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. See, God wanted for Israel to know how far they have turned from him, from Yahweh. He wanted them to know that they have settled for something less than what he had for them. He wanted them to know that they have settled for worshiping creation instead of the creator. Have you ever settled? I have. God wanted them to know that. It's always about worship. It has always been and it will always will. What are you, what or who are you giving your devotion to? Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? That's the question. In this story, in, the, in this story, then we see in verse three, Hosea's unconditional obedience to God. Because it's one thing for God to tell you, go marry a prostitute. It's a completely different thing to you going out there and doing it. Right? This is, to me, this is the ultimate palms up moment when Hosea actually does that which is going to cost him in order to be obedient to God. And we see that in verse 3. It says, so Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she, she became pregnant. It is super cool to me because Gomer is an ugly name. Can we agree? <laughs> Gomer is an ugly name, and please, those of you that are young enough to begin to have children, please do not name your child Gomer. Um, but there's something that is amazing about her name. <laughs> the name Gomer means complete. The name Gomer means complete. You know what that tells me? That before I came to Christ, my name was ugly. Your name was ugly. You were ugly. I was ugly. But then we say yes when Jesus proposed to us and now we're complete. Come on. And this is what happened with Gomer. Hosea made a decision. He made a decision for his life to become an action sermon. And I, may, I have to ask you, what is your life preaching? What message is your life portraying? Let me tell you, you may say, no, I don't preach. No, no, no. Your life is preaching a sermon. 
All you do, all you say, you're preaching a sermon. Everything you're posting and liking on social media is preaching a sermon. Somebody's watching. So you're preaching a sermon. And I understand, guys, my life preaching has not been great and amazing. I wish it always was. But this is a challenge. This is one of the things that we must wrestle with. So in this culture of we, when it comes to them, God is asking us to do one thing, and it's to marry a prostitute. So point number one is marry them. Marry them. That is relationship. You have to be in a relationship. Now, young people, and I always turn this way because most of you are somewhat in this area. Young people, I'm not talking about yes and you, Fred. <laughs> I love it. I'm not talking about literally marry a prostitute. That's not what I'm saying. Don't take me out of context and go tell your parents, hey, Pastor Raphael said. No, 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 no. I am saying show the love of God to someone that doesn't know him. Okay? Because the Bible has something to say about you not getting into a marriage covenant relationship with someone that doesn't know God. That's a different conversation. But why do we have to marry them? Why do we have to be in relationship? See, God used Hosea to illustrate to the Israelites something that was happening. He wanted Hosea to illustrate God's love to the Israelites. And he wants us to be that picture of love to them. Amen. Hosea did not judge Gomer. He loved Gomer. Why is this important? Because at some point in our lives, you were Gomer. I was Gomer. And we're reminded in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 that it says... But God showed his great love for us by what? Sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Can we say that? While we were still sinners. You were still a prostitute. You were still giving yourself to the highest bidder. Do you remember when? Do you remember when your life is full of shame and guilt? Do you remember that day? Do you remember how uh, you were still uh, in prostitution? You were still an enemy of the cross. You were still polluting yourself and wanting to do something to clean yourself up, but you couldn't. You remember when? Why am I bringing that up? Because I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that so you, that you can see Gomer. So you can see in the place that she is. So you can see in the place that they are. See, Gomer is not just the, uh, the promiscuous or the morally wrong. Gomers are those that have been marginalized. That in our minds are worthless. That we can't agree with. That are unlovable. Those that are socially awkward. <laughs> right? You know, when when we were uh, talking about 
the message and in and, and our preaching team. And I think it was Pastor Drew who brought up and he said, man, I heard somebody say one time, like, you know, if if like your church has awkward, weird people in it, like that's awesome because that means they feel loved. So they are attracted to your church. That's a hallelujah. We got a lot of weird people. <laughs> so everybody feels the love of God. Just kidding. Not you. Not any of you. Just me. I am weird. <laughs> you guys shouldn't be laughing about that. But it is true because if people that feel marginalized and neglected and feel uncomfortable around others and they find a home here at Good News Church, that means that they feel loved. And that's what we want. I'm going to ask you this question. Who is your Gomer? Who is your Gomer? That's for you to wrestle with. That question is for you to ask the Lord. I'm sure that some of you have someone in mind right now. See, but I'm going to tell you what. If you get in a relationship with Gomer, I need you to know that Gomer is going to mess up. She's going to mess up. And see, and, and I know you're thinking, okay, she's a prostitute. That's kind of obvious, right? No, 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 no. Sometimes we do a really good job of taking the obvious and completely forgetting about it. It's obvious But somebody like Gomer does something that is according to the nature of who they are. And then we go, why did did this happen? How can this happen? This is completely unexpected. Really? See, listen, we have to stop expecting Gomer to act like Hosea. Hosea was a servant of God who God had appointed. He had tasted the goodness of God, the love of God. Gomer wasn't there yet. You can't expect Gomer to act like Hosea. She was doing things, the things that she knew to do, who she thought she was. Not who Hosea thought she should be. So Gomer did things that Gomer would do. That's exactly what happened. She messed up. The rest of the story, we find something happened in chapter 3. We're going to get there in a moment. But this is what happened. They have three children. The Bible says that Gomer had two boys and and a girl. And it's amazing because we don't have time to get into the story, the details of the names of the children and what they meant and how God turned all that around. It's an amazing story of redemption. The reversal of fortunes that we see in the scripture. But after that, then she goes and disappears. Now we have Hosea, the prophet of God, who was married to a prostitute who now has three children as a single dad. And his wife is nowhere to be found. And this is what it says in chapter 3. You guys put that up there. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves. Can you say still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Okay, let's stop right there.
this is this is crazy to me because God's asked Hosea, go find your wife. Go find her. Hosea, go to places that holy men should not be in. Go to the red light district because what do you think? What do you think he can find Gomer? She went back to the life she knew, right? So now imagine the shame of Hosea going to these places and asking men, have you seen my wife? Well, I've seen her a little bit ago, a few days ago, but I don't know where she's at. Hey, man, I don't know you guys are still married. Imagine the shame that this man is feeling. But that's what God asked of him. So what did God say? This is point number two. In verse one of chapter three, he said to him, go and love your wife again. Love her again. What do we need to do? We need to love them again. (laughs) This has to do with intimacy. Because those whom you love, you're intimate with. They know details about your life. You know details about their lives. Gomer, love your wife again. Even though she has committed adultery, even though she's been unfaithful to you with another lover, love her again. See, good news, church. Even though that individual hurt you, love them again. Even though they sin against you, love them again. Even though they're unfaithful, love them again. Even though you can stand to look at them because of how wretched they are, how dirty they are, love them again. Guys, this is not an easy message. This is not an easy message to hear. It's not an easy message to process, but that's what God is asking of us. Because we can continue to live a Christianity that does not reflect the Savior that we serve. See, in our context, it is very difficult if your spouse has ever been unfaithful to you. And if that has happened in your life and you have stuck through it and fight for your marriage, man, I applaud you. But in this context, in Israel at this time was even more difficult. There were very, very strict laws about adultery. You guys remember back in John chapter 8. The Pharisees and the religious law, the religious leaders, they found a woman that had committed adultery. And they brought her to Jesus saying, okay, what do we do with her? The law of Moses says we must stone her. We can stone her to death. And Jesus said, okay, those of you that are without sin, cast the first stone. They had nothing to say to that. Of course they did not. Because they could not condemn her. And Jesus asked the woman, said, okay, where are your accusers? She says, I don't know. She said, did they condemn you? No, they did not. He said, neither do I go and sing no more. The mercy of God. The love of God. Now, Jesus did not agree with her sin. Jesus did not say, oh, it's okay that you're doing this. He said, go and sin no more. But he showed mercy. See, men's law says one thing, but God's love, law says something else. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whomever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is what? God is love. See, what God is asking Hosea here, to go and love his wife again. He's saying, I want you to display my love to her. And God is saying to us, I want you to display my love to them. This is not the type of thing that we can, and it is humanly possible. Because our love is conditional. But God's love is not. Because what do we read about in Romans 5 eight? That we were what? Still what? Sinners. That place is no condition because he loved you before you even were willing to come close to him. See, Hosea had the right. He had the right because Gomer walked out on him and the kids. So he had the right to get her punished. He had the right. She, he, he could have been, okay, she needs to be judged. She needs to be punished. She deserved punishment. Psalm 103.10 says, he does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Listen to what we're called to do. We're called in Luke 6.36. It says, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Now, that is a very short verse that is very difficult to live out. You know what that tells me? And I need my father's strength and I need my father's character and I need my father's help to be able to have mercy in others. Amen. Who do you need to show God's mercy through loving them again? Who do you need to show God's mercy by loving them again? In a practical way. How can you love them again? How can we love them again? Those are questions that we all need to be thinking through and processing. So Hosea made a decision to go and find his wife. Hosea had a decision to go and find his wife and he looked for her in places he had not to be. And then we find in verse 2 of chapter 3, this is what Hosea did. He found her and then he says, so I brought her, I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. He looked for his wife, he found her and get this, he paid for his wife. Wait a minute. It was his wife. She was already his. My point exactly. Do you remember somebody paying for something with a great price that already belonged to him? That's what Jesus did for me. I already belonged to him. The Bible says that we were created by him. For him and for his good pleasure. But listen, he had to pay. Why? Because I had become a slave. 
And we find Hosea, she be, we find Hosea looking for his wife, found her in the auction block. Now she's a sex slave. And now what do I need to do? I'm going to pay whatever is necessary so I could get her back even though she belongs to me. What a picture of love. What a picture of mercy and grace. Having a relationship with them is going to cost you. Having a relationship with them is going to cost us. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18.19 says this. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold and silver. Which loses, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Verse eighteen, back up there. Paid a ransom. It was not with gold and silver that loses its value. You know what, what that means? That Jesus' payment, God's payment for your life, for my life, has never diminished in power. I mean that the blood of Jesus is still as powerful today as it was 2,000 plus years ago when we shed it on that cross. Do you understand that? That means that it has not lost its value. God purchased what was already his. Why did he do this? Because of love. Because he loved you. He still does. And because he desired a relationship. He desired to reconcile you and I to a relationship with him. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with his payment. Because something happens when we're bought with that, with that great price. And I want to ask you to stand. You guys put Second Corinthians chapter 5 up there. And don't move from a verse until I ask you to, please. Verse 16 says, so we have stopped. Evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. Listen, we can't evaluate people from a human point of view. Because if we do that, we're going to see their sin. We're going to see who they currently are. But see, God did not evaluate me from a human point of view. Why? Because I was a mess. Because I was a sinful man. Because I was a man that did not want anything to do with love, anything to do with mercy, anything to do with grace. He did not see that man. He seen what that man could become. He did not look at me from a human point of view. He did not look at you from a human point of view. And we can't afford to look at others. We can't afford to look at them from a human point of view. We have to see what heaven sees.
when I read this verse, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. You know how I used to see Jesus when I was lost in my sin and I went to Mass as a Catholic young man? Uh, on the cross. A guy that was almost naked, bruised and battered, right? I said, well, a good man that died for a cause. There's a lot of good men that have died for a cause. That's how I knew Christ. But boy, do I know him differently now. Boy, do I know him differently now. I know him as my savior. I, love, I know him as my father, as my friend, as the one that would never leave me, as the, as the one that is overcomer, as the one that is victorious, as the one that paid the price that I couldn't pay, as the one that set me free. That's how I know him as. Show me verse 17. And then this is the problem. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone and then, and the new life has begun. This is not really the problem. This is awesome. This is a blessing. This is this is what you live for, right? We're a new creation. Verse verse 18. This is the problem. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciliating people to him. That's the task. That means that now if you have been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus and now you are the Hosea, now your task is to actually reconcile people that are like Gomer back to God. Guys, this right here is a problem for me. It is a problem for me because people are horrible. People will do things to you that makes no sense. And some of you have perhaps been hurt by other people. I'm pretty sure that with, a, with an audience of this, this size, many of you have been hurt by others. So when I read this, I say, God, do you know? Do you know how bad these people are? And his response back is, do you know how bad you were? So I know that I can't do this on my own. And I know that you can't do it on your own either. So now this is when we ask the one that's able to help us in actually possessing this sort of love for others. Guys, you, you guys, if you guys only knew how outside of my comfort zone this is, this message. Because I grew up in a context where love was seen as a weakness that having mercy on somebody just means that you're weak you need to make them pay for what they did that's the, cl the, the cloth that I was cut from if somebody hurt you you make sure that they're not able to stand when you get done with them that's what I'm talking about this is not God's culture this is not the culture of we Perhaps you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm Gomer. I'm lost in my sin. I'm a slave to sin. I have not surrendered my life and said yes to Jesus. And if you're in this place, I want to let you know that you're not outside of the reach of God's love, of his mercy, of his compassion. 
So if that's you, I just need you to slip up your hand so we can pray. It's that simple. Okay. I see you guys up there. Anybody else? Anyone else? I see a hand way in the back. Okay. see another hand right there. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you guys to do something very bold right now. And that is to come meet me right here. Why? Because sin likes to hide. (laughs) And why am I asking you to do this? I want the opportunity to pray with you and share with you what God says about you. focus on on this body, on this family right now. Can you guys put that recap up there? The three points. Number one, marry them. It's about relationship. You can have relationship with someone if you don't go after them. If you're not intentional. Number two is love them again. And again, And again, that's intimacy. That's not a casual observer. Then number three is pay the price for them. There is a cost. It's going to cost you. But man, the cost that you will pay will be replenished 100, 1,000 fold by the one who is limitless. So I want to pray for you. If you, like myself, need help in actually living the gospel in this way, like a Hosea. If we're going to actually be Hosea to a dying generation. If you need the Holy Spirit's help in doing this and you're committed, you want to be about it. Then lift your hands with me and I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you and for me. And from your mouth, you open your mouth and you declare it. And you say, God, I need your help. Lord, here we are, your people. God, are we committing to this message of reconciliation? We're committing to be the messengers, the vessels that will carry the love of God to the Gomers in our world. God, to those that have been marginalized, to those, God, that are lost in sin, to those that are slaves, God. God, for you already paid the price. All you're asking of us 
God is to present them with the fact that the price has been paid to show them God that they do not live they do not need to live that way but that there's a love that transcends their actions God God fill us with your love God for others God help us to be able to love them to be in relationship to be intimate to pay the price God we love them again we choose God to love them again God, help us by your spirit. Help your people. I pray for everyone with hands lifted high. God, I pray for those individuals that want to be about it, that they want to love those around them. God, with a sacrificial love like Gomer, that others may not understand why. And I pray that you give us the words when they ask us why. Why are you doing what you're doing? I do not deserve this. We can share the hope that is within us God thank you for these your people God in Jesus name I didn't do this in any of the other services but if you guys are back there can you guys start praying for these that are right here there's some things that God is doing so start praying for them come on just say God just simple words simple words God meet them where they are God, meet them where they are. God, move in their lives and in their hearts and their minds, God. We pray for transformation. We pray for transformed minds in Jesus' name. We pray that their hearts may be filled with the love of God, that they may know your love, that they may know how much you care for them, oh Lord. We declare freedom and liberty in their lives. In Jesus' name. We thank you for transformation, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.